Thank you, choir, for setting the mood for our worship this morning. Welcome to worship. I invite you to share God's peace with one another as we gather this morning. Let us stand for the opening hymn, Praise to the Lord.
Let us pray. Dear Lord and Father, thank you for the promise that where two or three are gathered, you are there in our midst. Lord, we welcome you amongst us today and celebrate the gift of life that you have lavished upon each of us. We ask that you would open our ears so that we may hear your voice. Open our minds so that we may receive your eternal wisdom. Open our spirits so that we may know your leading and guidance. And open our hearts so that we may receive your wonderful love. We ask all this in the glorious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Together we say, Amen. Amen. O Holy One, we call to you and name you as eternal, ever-present, and boundless in love. Yet there are times, O God, when we fail to recognize you in the dailiness of our lives. Sometimes shame clenches tightly around our hearts, and we hide our true feelings. Sometimes fear makes us small, and we miss a chance to speak from our strength. Sometimes doubt invades our hopefulness, and we degrade our own wisdom. Holy God, in the daily round from sunrise to sunset, remind us again of your holy presence hovering near us and in us. Free us from shame and self-doubt. Help us to see you in the moment-by-moment possibilities to live honestly, to act courageously, and to speak from our wisdom. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you and for me, and for his sake forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister and servant of God's word, I announce to you the grace of God, and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Together we say, Amen. You may be seated. The Old Testament reading is from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 9a. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteousness, righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted, and thou seest it not? Why have we humbled ourselves, and thou takest no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure, and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel, and to fight, and to hit with wicked fists. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. 
Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a man to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a rush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? It is not the, this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. The word of the Lord. Prayer of the day. Lord God, with endless mercy, you receive the prayers of all who call upon you. By your spirit, show us the thing we ought to do and give us the grace and power to do them. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, amen. The epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When I came to you, brethren, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God in lofty words or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in much fear and trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet amongst the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages, before our glorification. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But, as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what person knows a man's thoughts except the Spirit of the man which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is from God, that we might understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. Invite the children to come, come up.
Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, you have a pretty dress on. Yes. <laughs> this week we are going to have Christmas. What? I have a pretty dress too. You were about the tenth person to tell me that this morning. Thank you, John, for being so observant. Yeah. You know, Christmas is coming, huh? No. Christmas? No. We had Christmas, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Something is coming and it's called Easter. Huh? Easter is coming. But before Easter, something else is coming. Do you know what it is? No. Do you know what it is? Do you, Do you want to know? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you even if you don't want to know. It's something called Valentine's Day. Hey, yeah. yeah, you know Valentine's Day, Paul? Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what we do on Valentine's Day? We give people little cards. And it say, says on most of them, it says, I love you. Huh? I love you. You love somebody? Huh? Yeah, you're not. You're daddy with a big smile, right? Yeah. And who else do we love? You? Can you think of somebody? What's going to come to your house pretty soon? Baby. The baby. Are you going to love that baby? Yes. Do you know what that baby's name is going to be? Wow. Already got a name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, on Valentine's Day is a day when we say, I love you. And you know what? This morning I'm going to lead you in a song. And the choir is going to help me and everybody else is going to sing. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't matter whether you're red or yellow or black or white, Jesus loves all the little children of the world. Okay, on Valentine's Day, we usually give out some valentines. And so I'm going to give you a valentine today, made specially for you by a woman in our church who loves you very much. But before we do that, let's say a prayer. Okay? Dear Jesus, Thank you for loving me. 
In Jesus' name, amen. There. There is a heart. A valentine heart. There. You are welcome. Let's read together the gospel for today from Matthew, the fifth chapter. Let's stand. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trodden underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches men, so shall he call least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Let us remain standing. This has been the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Remain standing as let us sing, Here I am, Lord.
You may be seated. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. From the Old Testament text, I've taken out just a couple of verses. Is this not the fast that I choose? To share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house, and when you see the naked, to cover them. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and God will say, Here I am. These are thy holy words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in thy truth, for thy word is eternal truth. Amen. We all came from somewhere, eh? Yeah? We all came from somewhere. That is to say, we all have ethnic backgrounds. Some of us are full-blooded this or that. Some of us are half-blooded, half this and half that. Some of us are maybe even a quarter this, a quarter that, a quarter of something else, and the other quarter we maybe don't even know. A real mixture or what I would call a true hybrid. Bottom line, red or yellow, black or white, all are in his sight. Any mixture of the above, all are precious in his sight. No one better, no one worse, in God's sight, we are all simply God's beloved children. I do that because I want to now say, give you my ethnic background. I just happen to be full-blooded Norwegian. I didn't choose that. That's something that was figured out by my mom and dad. However, as a Norwegian, we claim one of the greatest playwrights, many of whom claim to be the greatest playwright of the 19th century. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Uh, Henrik Ibsen, yeah. Henrik Ibsen. Attending a college founded by Norwegian immigrants in 1874, I took a class taught by Jorgen Jorgensen studying Ibsen's 26 plays, the most notable one of which is A Doll's House. Maybe you've heard of that, or maybe you've heard of Peer Gent, or another quite famous one is Ghosts. But Henrik Ibsen had a younger brother. Life was going quite well for Henrik, but life wasn't easy for his younger brother, living in the shadow 
of his big brother who is now known throughout the world. Born of wealthy upper class parents, Nikolai's parents were very much aware of the struggle that the younger brother Nikolai was having. And so they did what parents, loving parents, do. They said, Nikolai, why don't you start a business and we will fund it. We will get you going. And so they did it and the business didn't make it. It went south. And then the parents said, well, let's try it again. And so they funded Nikolai and started a second business, which also, what? Guess. Failed. The short of which, seeing himself as a failure, resulted in Nikolai's drifting. He went over to Europe from Norway. I guess that's all Europe, but he ended up in Italy, and then that didn't work, and he found his way across the Atlantic, and he landed in Chicago. But now the money that he had left home with was sort of like the prodigal son, I suppose. It was pretty much gone. And in Chicago, he sold his most prized possession that he had left, a gold watch that his sister had given him. Now destitute, he wandered north out of Chicago into southern Wisconsin and there met up with another Norwegian immigrant family by the name of Stannerson. And they decided they wanted to move further west, and so they migrated, and Nikolai went with them to the prairies of western Iowa, where he worked for pennies, herding other migrant farmers, many of them Norwegians, many of them Germans, and some other ethnic groups, earning only pennies as he herded sheep and cattle on the open prairie. In the process of this, he met one family that took him in, didn't pay him anything other than shelter and food, while he continued to work for pennies for other new migrant families in the area. At least he was no longer homeless. Then word came from Norway through a Norwegian newspaper that his father had died. And then he got a letter from his sister, still in Norway, saying, Nikolai, come home. Come home and live with me because there is an inheritance awaiting you when you come home. His response they have already given me too much. Henrik, my brother, is a great man in the old country. And me? I 
am nothing. Those are exact words recorded on the day that Nikolai died at the age of 54. The people with whom he had lived, who had taken him in, purchased a pair of pants, a shirt, and a pair of socks for Nikolai's burial clothes. The bill for the clothes amounted to $7.35. The coffin cost $15. These immigrant Norwegian Lutheran farmers had started a church. They'd brought it over with them from Norway and decided that this man deserved a funeral. This poor man deserved a funeral befitting his name, Ibsen. Following the church funeral, Nikolai was buried in the church's cemetery about 100 feet north of where my mother and my dad are buried. And you can see there that on Memorial Day, we were there. And in Mary's way, Mary Ann's way, we remembered him and decorated his grave. In 1888, that's a long time ago, charter members of this church in which I grew up in was doing its job, reaching out to the poor, to the wanderer, to one who said of himself, I am nothing. Is not the fast that I choose Isaiah says to his Israelite people, is not the fast that I choose to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house, and when you see the naked, to cover him? In 1888, the church I grew up in, Esterville Lutheran, obviously was involved in the life of at least one poor man doing its job honoring and showing respect to the wanderer, to the homeless, to one looking for an advent wreath, for hope, for peace, for joy, and for love one of whom was Nikolai Ibsen. Is this not the fast that I choose, Isaiah says, to share your bread with the hungry? To bring the homeless poor into your house? And when you see the naked, to cover him? That was then 
how many years ago, 140 years ago. But this is now. Things have changed, yet some things haven't changed. There were the poor then, and there are the poor now. How people got to be poor then, and how people get to be poor today, may be similar or dissimilar. We don't know. Jesus said of the poor, what did he say about the poor? You will always, always have them with you. Reprimanding Judas's criticism of Mary. When what? When what did she want to do to Jesus? She wanted to anoint his feet with costly ointment. Paraphrasing that incident, in my words, Judas, Jesus says, I don't think you're really concerned about the poor. You just want Mary to sell that expensive ointment. You don't want her to waste it on somebody's feet, even if it was Jesus' feet. You want Mary to put that money when she sells it into the treasury so you can steal it like you've been doing with the treasury money. No, Judas. No, Judas, Jesus says, let Mary honor me, anointing my feet with this expensive and precious ointment. For if you're really concerned about the poor, Jesus says, let Mary honor me. And if you're really concerned about the poor, there'll always, there'll always be poor around for whom you can show your concern. For the past three weeks, our Social Concerns Committee has been leading SOV's response to Isaiah's and Jesus' concerns, particularly aimed at young people, drifting young people in our community, wandering young people, trying to figure out what life is all about and what their role in it is. A special group of poor among us. Kids. Kids. Adrift. Wandering. Who are hungry. Homeless. And many of them cold. The committee is comprised of these members. Lisa. Huh, Lisa. Christine. Diane. Jonathan, he's out with Joshua. Oh, there you, oh, yeah. Christy, Monica, she's out for a sec, a little bit. Christina, Marianne M, not to be confused with my Marianne, and Barbara, who was at the early service. 
We acknowledge your leadership and thank you so much for it. Your concern, your caring, your love, and as a congregation, we applaud you and thank you. Take a look at the stuff on the table back there. Think about the kids, kids on the run. For whatever reason, we don't know. Could be your kid. Could be my kid. Who are hungry, homeless, and cold. I can't imagine, I can't begin to imagine wearing their shoes for a moment. The circumstances, the situation, the causes, the reasons, the background, who knows how they got to where they are. It's not for us to know. But what is for us to know is that they got to where they got just like we got to where we got. And that we are called. And that we are called to meet them, not where we are, but where they are. Which means, which means if we listened to last week's sermon and listened to the prophet Micah, we are called to act with justice, not judgment. We are called to love tenderly, and we're going to sing about that at the end of the sermon. We are called to love tenderly, not sink our hearts in the sand. We are called to serve one another, not turn our backs. We are called to walk humbly with our God, thankful for the privilege of we are where we are so that we can be of help. Come, live in the light, the hymn writer David Haas admonishes. We are called to shine with the joy and the love of the Lord. This Monday morning, I asked myself, this Monday morning, I asked myself, why do I go to church? Why do I do this Sunday after Sunday? What do I want when I come to this place? When I come to worship, and in my case, to lead worship, which in just a f another few couple of months, I will be sitting where you are sitting. And why will I come Sunday after Sunday? What do I want when I come here? I want, I want church to be a happy place. If it's not a happy place, why I'm going? I want to be with people whom I know, and I want to be around some people whom I don't know that I might get to know. I want my experience when I go to church to be something like a family. I want to be taken in like Nikolai was taken in by a family and by a church. I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. 
I don't want to be what Robert Louis Stevenson once entered in his diary as if he were recording an extraordinary phenomenon, something that hadn't happened before. Quoting Stevenson, I've been to church today and left not depressed. <laughs> Interesting commentary from this great poet and his unusual experience. I left not depressed. In other words, something good must have happened. He left happily, perhaps. Or another great poet's comment, Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, I, and I love this one, I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen I knew had not looked and acted so much like undertakers. <laughs> when I leave this place as your pastor and come back to visit, because I will be doing that, I'll be checking up on you, and sit in the pew alongside you, I pray that you don't get an undertaker for a pastor, <laughs> either male or female. When I come back for a visit, I hope that I will hear clearly and loudly that in spite of my personal screw-ups, and I did a big one at the early service, I forgot to sing a hymn before the sermon, and I had to be called by Tabor back there, hey, stop, we've got to sing this hymn first. I screw up. Judy Farnsworth sat here, and when I got back there, she reached over and she said, you know, Al, I screw up also. Don't let it worry you. I want to come back and hear that God loves me and forgives me, even when I screw up. When I go to church, I await the opening and stirring of my heart through the powerful messages of song. When I go to church, I want the scriptures unveiled and applied to the real world in which I live. I don't want to hear about some lofty stuff that doesn't affect my daily life. When I go to church, I want to pray prayers of the ages, which we will do at the close of this service, and prayers, silently prayed, prayed, at that portion of our service when you are given opportunity to do that. When I go to church, I want to participate in the holy sacraments, the waters of baptism, and the presence of Christ in the body and the blood. Bottom line. Bottom line, when I go to church, I want to be loved, and I want to love in response to having been loved. I want grace. I want grace to fill the air that I breathe when I come to church. I want to be inspired. And when I leave, for heaven's sake, just I hope I'm not depressed. But happy as can be. If it's not all this and more, then the thought arises, then maybe I really don't need the church. Church. 
catch myself thinking and even saying an oft-used cliché, I haven't been fed. On a given Sunday, on a given Sunday when I feel that the pastor has really blown it and no one has greeted me with their warmth and the Spirit's touch seems a mile away, a scary thought creeps in, tempting me to think and maybe even tempting me to believe that the church really doesn't need me and that I don't need it. That the church will keep on going even if I'm not there. People come and go, but the church, it, it stays. And when I get to feeling like that, I remember a story I once heard. A story about Nikolai Ibsen who traveled the world looking for home and found it in a family who took him in and gave him food and shelter. And then I remember also, once standing in the fellowship area of a church, looking at a table piled with all kinds of stuff, ordinary stuff to me, but not ordinary to the kids who are going to receive it. Spend some time around that table behind you this morning and think about the kids who will be putting on those gloves and getting in those sleeping bags thinking that but by the grace of God that could have been my kid. Suddenly the lights came on as to why I go to church. Not for me. Even though I told you all the things I want from it when I go. But the bottom line, I don't go to church for me. It's not about me. I go to church for others. Not for me but for others. Heavenly Father, help us to keep that the focus of our church, of our individual lives, of our corporate lives, of our mission to reach out, having reached in, having felt the presence of your love, and having given the opportunity to be a blessing to others. This we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Let's stand.
be seated and let us pray. Heavenly Father, as sojourners upon this earth who call this place our home, we thank you for having a place we can call home. Help us to treasure this blessing. Lord, in your mercy, in prayer today, we remember our sojourners among us, our brothers and sisters, both young and old, who for whatever reason are adrift, inspire us to be sensitive to their needs, not turning our backs, but reaching out with our love and our help. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for the soul of our nation, 
senselessly divided, when we could be a light shining on a hill, a beacon of freedom and democracy. Help us when we fail in this calling. Lord, in your mercy. We continue to wait patiently during this interim period of ministry. We thank you for the strong leadership provided by our call committee. We thank you for the ongoing work of the church council and all the committees hard at work. We thank you for the staff members, Tammy and Jacob, and for their ministry. We thank you for the resilient nature of this congregation, for the devotion of all of its members and participants. We thank you for the blessing, the work that SLV has done, is doing, and will do. Lord, in your mercy. All these prayers we offer in Jesus' name as we continue our shared prayers, concerns aloud, and as we continue silently in prayer. Let us pray. All these prayers spoken and in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Let us continue our worship by receiving our morning offering. The early service, they couldn't find the offering plates, so they uh, passed a, a little crazy plastic thing. Uh, <laughs> improvised at the moment. It was a wonderful offering, but we are blessed at this service to use the traditional <laughs> offering place. They found them.
Thank you, choir. That was wonderful. On the night in which our Lord was betrayed, he sat with his disciples and he took a loaf of bread and he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this. In remembrance of me, he also took a chalice filled with wine and he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and drink for this cup is my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin. Believing that Jesus Christ is your Savior and your Lord, and believing that he is truly present in this bread and wine, not in a kind of a way that we can even fully understand, but because he said this is, it is. His presence is now here upon this communion table and his invitation is to all to come to receive his presence in this bread and in this wine. Come into the presence of your Lord. I invite you to come.
Announcements? Linda? I'll start out. Um, this morning, um, kind of occurred to me that we have another option to help another orphanage. And this one through Ken Plinky and Ken Plinky's brother, who helped found this orphanage and is supporting it, lives there and works there. Uh, Ken is leaving on the 19th, and he has offered to take a, a suitcase of clothes for women and children. The children range at the orphanage from birth to 13 to 14 years old. Mostly girls, there are some boys. Um, they also like small toys and uh, that will travel well. And um, he also said that they really like shirts, t-shirts with graphics, especially Disney. Um, so if you have anything that you could donate or that you would um, like to find to donate, ask friends and neighbors uh, and even Goodwill. If you would like to donate to, to uh, filling up Ken's suitcase, the Ramsey Barn, I've had three suitcases donated to take to orphanages in Mexico. And so Ken wants to take one of those and he wants to take it full. So if you could help out with this project, let me know, call me, email me. Um, I'll pick it up or you can bring it to the church. Just let me know uh, next, or you can bring it next Sunday and um, help him take it full. I'll just echo what Pastor Al already said in his sermon. Um, Thanks to everyone for supporting the Social Concerns Committee. You can see what we've collected on the table back there. Um, it, that will be going to help uh, homeless youth uh, in uh, middle school and high school. And as we understood, someone told me a story, was it you, that you met a, a young man who's still using the services of that organization even after he's out of school, right? They can use them until they're 23. Once they turn 23, they can't. Yeah. So, so it's, uh, uh, I, I think, great that we're able to, to take this winter season when, when nights can be pretty darn cold and uh, help folks out. So thank you very much for your support. I 
I just wanted to remind everybody, um, we're going to be getting ready for Lent and the Easter season, so our, some of our banners are still in disrepair. One of the Easter banners needs a little sewing, so next Saturday from 11 to 1, we're going to be having sing and sew. I don't know if we'll be doing any singing, but we'll be doing sewing, and I'll make some soup. So if you can join us, bring a needle. If you don't have a needle, I have extras. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. So we are doing an inventory of our key cards. So if you have a key card for our building for the front door, there's a nine-digit code, and we have a list of what theoretically they're assigned to. We want to figure out where exactly those cards are and who they're going to. So if you'd like your card to remain active and you have one, please take a look at this list after it and write down next to your name the uh, assigned number that's on your card. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I was so excited reading the history of Nikolai Ibsen. I've read it a number of times over the years, um, but I learned some things in the most recent historical writing about this poor man that he hooked up with a family in southern Wisconsin by the name of Stenerson, who moved then to my hometown in western Iowa. And when I was ready to purchase my first car, I wanted this and I wanted that. I wanted, I remember a DeSoto that had a button that when you hit that thing, the thing leaped off the, and it took a gallon of gas every time you pushed a button. And my dad said, no, can't have that car. He said, I think I know of a car. I got a friend in our church. I think it's a good car. And so uh, uh, I, I ended up with Johnny Stannerson's. Recognize that name from the sermon? He's the same family that Nikolai uh, Ibsen migrated from Wisconsin to Iowa in. This was a 49 Ford. It, it was Johnny Sanderson's paint car. It, was, it had about four different colors. But he said, if I wanted to go fishing up in Ontario, I'd get in that car tomorrow and I'd go. It's a great mechanical car. Bought it for $200. I sold it to a classmate of mine at St. Olaf for $100. He still owes me $50 on that car. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, that was just an interesting sidelight to the sermon. My first car came from a Stenerson family that was connected to Henry, I mean, Nikolai Gibson. Let's sing. Standing, closing him. Oh, another announcement? Oh, John, sorry. No, no. Yeah. So we have a, a task force uh, celebration right after the service. We'll meet somewhere here. Thank you. Oh, great. Up, sing.
you my home. 